Hi, everyone. Susie O here. Just want to let all of you know that the certificates of deposit at Alliant Credit Union are now at, for a six-month CD, 5%, a 12- to 17-month CD, 5.15%, and an 18- to 23-month CD, 4.90%. And for those amounts of $75,000 or more, just add on 0.5% to those rates. Go to myalliant.com and check it out. All right, Susie, KT, are you ready for today's podcast? Yeah, Robert, of course we're ready. Because we are unstoppable. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> I'm unstoppable, I'm a buzzer with no brakes, I'm invincible, yeah, I win every single game, mine's so powerful, I don't need batteries to play, I'm so confident, yeah, I'm unstoppable today. March 2nd, 2023, what do you want to say, Katie? She can't say anything because she's <laughs> chewing on a gummy, everybody. All right. So Susie O here and hey, give welcome. Me a no. Give me a chance. <laughs> keep, just keep chewing away, KT. You just keep doing that. Anyway. I'm, I'm hydrating my throat. Doesn't it sound a little dry? Wait. I'm, I am. Oh, are we going to have everybody listen to you gulp water no. again? Oh, she's blocking the microphone. Anyway, welcome everybody to the Women in Money podcast, as well as everybody smart enough to listen. This is the Ask Susie and KT edition where <laughs> you can write in a question to Ask Susie, S U Z E podcast at gmail.com. And if KT selects it, we will answer it, or at least try to, on this podcast. May I warn you that Miss Travis is extremely feisty. I'm very feisty, but I, I have my first question has made me smile. You ready? Oh, we're just going right into <clears throat> Does it. Does my throat sound a little bit hoarse? No, it sounds like a little cat. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. Okay, I ready, thought that everybody? Was very first funny. First question is oh. from Courtney. Hi, KT and Susie. I'm 36. <laughs> just to get to that first line made me. What were you doing at 36, KT? 36 was a great year for me, Susie. What were you doing, oh, KT? Oh, my God. I was in Hong Kong on top of the world, probably at the pinnacle of my success as a you know managing director of an advertising agency. Very, very, very exciting times. Hmm. Very exciting. I love that. I just left being a vice president at Prudential Base Securities, and I started out on my own, the Susie Orman Financial Group. But what was so funny, it was just me. <laughs> no, and Mary. And I loved her business card. Do yeah, you so, remember? So Susie told she had one employee, Mary, who used to be the receptionist at her dentist. And she liked her so much. She said, you want to come work with me? I just opened a company. And Mary said, yeah. And she joined <laughs> Susie. But Mary was the best. And her business card had a title that said, Mother Superior. Yeah. <laughs> Mary, Mother we Superior. We had the best time. Mary was my savior all oh, those years. She was the she best. She went everywhere with me. We had and the time with of us, our lives. And then with us, when Susie met me, Mary was like a threesome. She went everywhere with us. Now she's happily retired in the mountains. With, no, in Arizona. In now, Arizona with her with husband, her husband. Steve, and, 
And um, we miss her. We always miss Mary. But this is from Courtney, who's 36. She said, Susie, should I buy treasuries, CDs right now, or should I continue to dollar cost average into the stock market? This money is for long-term growth. And that made me smile too, Susie. 36 years old, long-term. Well, you have long-term. You have at least 40 years for it Let's to grow. Let's tell her about our certificate of deposit. No, I don't want her to do that. Why? Because I want her at this age of 36, mm. I want her to take advantage of the downward movement in, in the, the stock market. market. So I want okay, you to Courtney. dollar cost average every single month into dividend-paying stocks or dividend ETFs, because really you can get as much growth out of a good dividend paying company as you can these growth companies. So start doing that now. And I tell you, 40 years from now, you'll thank me, although I'm sure you'll have a hard time finding me. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. And this next one is from Travis and his husband, David. I know why she chose this one, Travis. Yeah, my name's Travis. Travis. That isn't why you chose it. Because of my nephew, Travis? Of course, your little golden boy. My golden boy. Okay, ready? <laughs> <laughs> Travis said, Susie, I love your podcast. Yeah, thank and you, he's, Travis. he's going back listening to every episode since 2019, so he's going to be super smart. Are you watching, by the way, all the Susie Orman shows on Freevee TV? Yeah, you would love that, You too. would love that more than anything, because it's there that you'll find the very infamous Can I Afford It segments where I say you are so either approved or denied, but I don't quite say it that way. All right, go on. Okay, so it says, my husband and I don't know if we should prioritize paying off our student loans. They're at 5.7% fixed and they have about $67,000. Or should we establish an emergency fund? Now, Susie, listen to this. This is very sweet. We had an emergency <laughs> fund, but due to an emergency, it's now empty. <laughs> and, and then he said, we're both 28. We have no consumer debt, just a mortgage, a car payment. And he said, thanks for all your help, Travis and David. Boys, I want you to listen to me. Imagine that you had whatever emergency that you happened to have just a little bit ago. And what would you have done if you didn't have an emergency fund? Oh, you say that you have no consumer debt, you know, just a mortgage and a car payment. But if you hadn't had that emergency fund, oh, you would have had a serious amount of credit card debt right now. And the interest rate probably would be very high because as the Fed funds rate continues up, so does interest rates on credit cards. So therefore, let's see what happens with Biden and the administration and what they do with student loans and all of those things make the emergency fund your number one priority, especially because interest rates are as high as they are. You might, I'm very serious about this, start your emergency fund at the Alliant Credit Union. Both of you can do this in the Ultimate Opportunity Savings Account. Go to myalliant.com. You each put in $100 a month. You do so for 12 consecutive months. At the end of those 12 months, they'll give you $100. And you're earning currently 2.95% interest. Do it that way, boyfriend. All right, KT. 
Okay, next is from Jill. Oh, your voice is sounding better. Is it? Does it sound a little hoarse? No, no, no. It sounds like oh. a little kitty cat. she's so corny all right ready dear Susie and kt my mom and stepdad have currently listed me on their bank accounts as payable on death to pay for things after they pass then i'm to divide the leftover money amongst my siblings and step siblings Mm. my mom asked if there's any tax consequences to me if they do this I want her to just put the accounts in the name of their revocable trust instead. What do you suggest? And then she's asked, Jill's asking you, Susie, are there tax consequences to her if her mom puts her as a POD on their accounts? No, because you're inheriting money. I doubt highly. You have to remember there's two kinds of taxes. There's income tax and then there's estate tax. And estate tax, they can leave you, you know, mom can leave you up to like $12 million right now. That drops to $5 million in 2025. But that's, you know, that's estate tax. So we'll see what happens there. But you're going to have to pay that one way or the other if they leave you more than that amount of money. Income tax, no. There's no tax ramifications for you to do that. However, the main reason, forget the pay on death account that this should be in the living revocable trust is what happens if mom doesn't die? Let's say mom becomes incapacitated. At the same time, dad becomes incapacitated. Don't think it can't happen. I've seen it happen more than you could imagine. And now you need that money to pay their expenses because they can't write checks. They can't pay their bills. You can't touch that money because you don't get to use it or help anybody with it till they die if it's a pay on death account. With a living revocable trust that has an incapacity clause, if anything happens to either one of them or both of them, you would be the successor trustee and could sign for everything and take care of them. So just make sure they do it that way. All right, KT. Okay, this is my favorite, favorite um, email so far of the day. I love the way Stacy wrote it. It's from Stacy. She writes, Susie and KT. Are you sure? It was yeah. like Susie. Susie and KT. Post-divorce <laughs> recovery and mom of three teens. I decided one day I needed to face my financial fears. I started listening and simply absorbing your podcast. I've learned so much and I cannot thank you enough. My first husband was a very nice guy, a great dad, a financial disaster, and phenomenal liar. Wait, wait. That's how that's did the those opening. four things go together? It don't. It doesn't. Wait. So, wait. Ready? Stacy said, "Now, I'm remarried to a wonderful man, but Susie, I feel my heart race. I get nervous every time we talk about co-investing." My question is, how do I maximize our joint savings potential together while maintaining some feeling of financial independence? Stacy, did you ever watch me on the Susie Orman show? And if you had, I ended every single one of those 600 and some odd shows with a statement that was people first, then money, money, then things. things. Now, When I said people first, so many people took it the wrong way. 
They thought that that meant generosity and you should always just help people and blah, blah. I meant it that you, you need to put yourself first before anybody and anything. Just that simple. What is the goal of money? The goal of money is for you to be secure. It is not necessary to combine finances or have joint accounts for true love to emerge, true closeness, and true growth. Because ask Miss Travis, how many joint accounts do we have, KT? Zero. 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 How many are we ever going to have? Zero. Zero. Right now. Why is that? It's because it makes me feel more secure. It makes her feel more secure. And that is all your new sweetheart should care about is that you are secure. He should be putting your feelings first because you're putting them first and not about let's combine money and we can make more that way. No, you can't. Keep it separate. Your little voice is telling you not to do it. So I just don't do it. That's what I'm saying. And I just yeah, want to remind and you. And we're madly in love. Madly in love. Madly. How madly? Madly, madly. <laughs> what does that even mean, madly? Madly in love. I don't know. It's a great expression, though. Do you mad. Know the, I'm mad for do, you. Do you know the expression that Kate, that Colo's been saying that just is like. I know you love this one. I, I hate him with all my heart. Yes. Something like. Yeah. Or, he says this when he watches sports. Yeah, he hates this. When he hates the Dallas football team with all of his heart. All right, don't ask me why he would even hate a football team, but he does. All right, so I go, how do you hate something with all of your heart? But anyway, that's besides the point. We kind of got the thing wrong, but we still... We got it. But anyway, yeah. right, I just want to remind you, Stacy, of a line you wrote here. My first husband was a very nice guy, a great dad, and a financial disaster and a phenomenal liar. Okay? So... Who knows how things turn out? So therefore, all I'm saying to you is you don't have to figure this out. You stay independent. He should want you to stay independent. And don't you ever not trust yourself. You got that? If that's how you feel, that's what you want. That's what you do, KT. All right. This next email, again, addresses the what ifs in life. My wife had to retire early due to a total and permanent disability. Probably everyone's nightmare, right, Susie? Well, KT, we knew that one. We were close to that. We were close to that. Yeah. She is taking her employer-provided pension early at age 55 due to this disability. So here's, here's her husband's question, Susie. Since her disability pension is reported as earned income in box one on a W-2, is it considered earned income also according to the rules which allow my wife to purchase an IRA? May I also contribute to a spousal IRA as a non-wage earning spouse? We file a joint federal income tax return and fit the income limits. Yes. So it depends here, truthfully, because I know that he said, right, that her disability pension was reported on their earned income in box one on their W-2. But whether it's considered earned income, 
For IRA contribution purposes, KT, depends on the nature of the disability Mm. pension. So if the disability pension is considered taxable compensation, so if they are going to pay taxes on it, then it will count as earned income. And then she can have an IRA or a Roth IRA, which is what she probably should have more than a traditional IRA. And he can have a non-working spousal IRA. However, if the disability pension is considered unearned income or non-taxable, then it won't count as earned income for an IRA. So therefore, it's important to consult with a tax professional to determine whether her specific disability pension is considered taxable compensation for IRA purposes. Period. Now we know. Next, KT. Okay. This don't is from... throw me anymore like that. <laughs> what if yeah. I would have said I don't know? You you know the answer to everything pretty much. This is from Fariba. Good morning, and thank you both for providing such great education and empowering all of us. I have a dear friend who is sixty three years old and retiring. Oh, it's one of those dear friend dear emails. Friend, this is my dear friend. She has $700,000 in a portfolio that will be managed by her financial planner of several years. His fee is around 1% of the portfolio total. Is that a fair fee? She asked me to find out from you since I am a loyal listener, reader, and follower. This is from Fariba. So what should Fariba advise her friend? To start listening to the Women and Money podcast. Are you kidding me? Because do you know how many times I have addressed this exact question? So depending on my mood, I might say to you, have her just search it and see if she can find the answer. But then again, since I'm in such a loving mood today because Miss Travis told me she was madly Madly, madly madly in love with me, right? Here's what you have to know. I find this curious only because she's been with this financial advisor already for several years. Think about that. And now she's asking after she's accumulated a $700,000 portfolio, is his fee of 1% too much? What is making her now ask that question when for several years she hasn't? So that's number one. Number two, 1% is a fair fee if and only if, and everybody listen closely to me, if you go to a financial advisor and they make their money by investing your money for you. They don't get any commissions whatsoever. They get 1% of whatever the portfolio value is worth. So if it goes from 700,000 to a million, now they get 1% of a million dollars. If it goes from 700,000 to 300,000, now they're only getting 1% of 300,000. So if they make you money, they make themselves money. However, If you're going to pay somebody 1%, they really need to be managing your money. So what does that mean? That means they don't simply put it into mutual funds or exchange-traded funds where you're also paying an expense ratio within those mutual funds or exchange-traded funds 
for some portfolio manager to be managing those investments. They don't charge you 1% on cash that you may have sitting in your portfolio. And they do not charge you 1% on any individual bonds that you may buy. So for KT and myself, we have a portfolio of just stocks. Then we have a portfolio of just bonds. We have different portfolios. And the registered investment advisory fee that we pay is only paid on the individual stock portfolio. The money that we have in bonds, when individual bonds are purchased, there's a commission built into the bonds. Therefore, the advisor should not also be getting 1% on a bond portfolio that you already paid commission on and that there really is no trading or management to be done because most of you are just going to be holding those bonds till maturity. So that is the answer to her question. How is the money invested? Is she paying 1% on a bond portfolio? And is she paying 1% for the advisor simply to buy mutual funds or exchange-traded funds? If he or she is, she's paying too much. But something else is going on for her to ask this question after a several years of her being with him. All right, Katie. Okay, next is from Brenda. Hi, Susie. My question is whether we should draw out a 401k for a few years to delay taking Social Security. Retiring at 62 would wait for three years to 65 to start Social Good or bad idea? Pop quizzy. Bad, pop, bad, no, wait, 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 bad, wait, wait, wait. Bad, That's your bad, pop quizzy. Bad. No, this is not a pop quizzy. This is just a bad idea. First of all, I took mine at 70 years old, Brenda. Yeah, but your situation is a lot better. Yeah, Don't talk to her no, like, but Brenda, like, like she's bad in your idea. situation. Right, Susie's going to give you advice. Bad idea. <laughs> now, it is a bad idea because number one, even if you wait till you are 65, 67 is full retirement age. So for most people who were born 1960 or over, 67 is full retirement age. You would never, ever, 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 unless you had an illness, you didn't think you were going to recover from it, start Social Security earlier, ever. But if you're healthy, if everything's okay, you're not going to start Social Security at 65, and this is not the time when you would want to be taking any money out of a 401k for a few years because you want that money in the 401k to continue to grow and grow and grow. So no, you wouldn't want to do that, my love, but here's what you would want to do. You're not going to retire at 62. Maybe you'll leave the job that you currently have, but then you're going to have to find another job in order to make money so that you do not touch your 401k and you do not touch your social security. If you do, you will be making the biggest mistake you have ever made. Why are you looking at me like that? Because I think Brenda should meet my next quest, my next email from Rachel. <laughs> Ready? Susie, I'm obsessed with saving money. Wait, Katie. <laughs> Wait. We should introduce I, them. Do you remember that one talk I gave in Atlanta? Oh, my God, I do. Was that 
What was that university? It was, it was thousands a great, of people. Great, great university. And I fixed two people up that were in the audience. There were. It was a great talk. I don't remember why you got them both together, but they were both well divorced somebody, or single well, or something. Just like now, one person way up in the balcony asked me a question. I answered the question, and then the next person. another person <laughs> way down in the front of the place downstairs asked me another question, and I go, "Oh my God, they would be the perfect couple." Perfect couple, and we got them together. And I don't I think, know if they're still together, but it was sure a fun it night. Was anyway, really next fun. question, and this is this is another. One. Good friends, you and Rachel and Brenda. Susie, I'm obsessed with saving money. You and KT. No, 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 not this. I think I saved to the point of not enjoying my life. I have no debt, no mortgage. My children and my parents are financially self-sufficient. I have about a million dollars invested for retirement, which includes a pension plan. So, Susie, why do I agonize? about going for a manicure once a month. <laughs> well, you know what's so I funny? love this email, Rachel. Come on. So do I. Rachel, live it up a little bit. <laughs> no. So Rachel, want to hear something funny? Which is, on the Susie Orman Show, I was trying to figure out ways between 2007, 2008, 2009, during the Depression, how could people save money? So I came up with this idea that if you want... You can get a manicure, but don't put polish on. Because if you don't put polish on, you don't have to go back every week or even once a month. You're okay for like six weeks or maybe even two months. Well, that didn't go over very well with the manicurist, but that's besides the point. But here's the thing. Somehow, you have a fear about not having enough money. You say you have a million dollars invested for retirement, which includes a pension plan, but you don't know for sure. I would bet you any amount of money how it's invested, how it works, what your pension is going to be. I'll bet you any amount of money that you've turned that money over to some financial advisor or it's in your 401k and you really don't have control over it. You know you have the money, but you don't know what the money is invested in and how it actually works. Because I have found that when you're not in control of your money and understand it, that's why you're afraid. Because somebody else has the power over your money versus you. Even though it's your money, you don't have power over it. And KT, do you remember what my favorite saying in life is when it comes to money and power? Yeah. What is it? If you'll you'll feel if you're pow- if you don't have the power over your money, <laughs> I guess you don't. <laughs> can Bob, can you call Barbara and have her help you with that? That's not nice, Susie. But <laughs> right. you are never, never powerful, powerful in life, life till you are powerful, powerful over your, your own money. money. How you think, think about, about it, it, feel about it, and invest it and spend it. <laughs> Rachel needs to spend a little. No, she does not need to spend it, KT. You're wrong here. Okay. What Rachel needs to do, seriously, KT, is get control of her money by understanding it, knowing about it, investing it herself. And I promise you, if you do that, girlfriend, you might be going for a manicure once a week. Next question, KT. We have a quizzy. And KT, I got news for you. Spending money never solves the problem of being afraid 
to spend money. It only creates more fear because you haven't done anything to get rid of the fear or understand why you are afraid. You know, everybody, I do have a course called Conquering Your Financial Fears that all of you might want to take. I think if you go to SusieOrman.com, I think it's there. I don't even know where we sell it, to tell you the truth. But many people have taken it recently, and they're writing me their new truths and what their fears are. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, it is that time, is it not, KT? Yes. But KT, before we do the quizzy, how'd you do investing in your certificates of deposit with Alliant Credit Union? I bought three. What does that mean? I got two six-month certificates and one three-month why did you get two six months? I just wanted to because they came. I took money from different accounts yeah. that I had. And then I decided I was going to transfer. You just did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you said I, mm-hmm. did you do it? <laughs> no. You Barbara said- did it. My financial business manager. <laughs> See that, everybody? I'm not even her financial business manager. You're my financial advisor. Barbara just follows the instructions based on the request. And she All does right, a great let's job. Let's just do your quizzy. And right. if you don't know, right, the CDs that KT is talking about. You cannot resist this and everybody. That's why I bought all, I took all the spare money that I had that wasn't earning a great interest rate. And I transferred it into the Alliance Ultimate Opportunity Saving CD Certificates of Deposit three and six month. The six month is giving me five percent, Susie. I know what I it's was getting you. like nothing in one of my accounts. Shame on you. I know. I said, Barbara, why is it in there? All right, KT. Sorry, I asked. What was wrong with me? Okay, anyway, so what's my quizzy? So everybody, it is quizzy time. And this is where I ask KT a question, but I'm also asking it to all of you because you need to learn how to answer every question that's ever asked on the Women and Money podcast. That's how you start to get control over your money. This one is from Tammy. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hi, Susie and KT. In your past few podcasts, you have been focusing on the dividends of stocks rather than the price. If we are investing for the dividend, would you suggest reinvesting the dividend or taking it in cash during the volatile time? Cannot thank you enough for all that you do. I feel unstoppable. KT, don't answer right away. I just want to make a comment to Tammy. You would only buy a stock for the dividend when you knew the dividend was solid, the earnings of the company itself was solid, the free cash flow of the company was solid, and that the company was growing. You would never, ever, ever just buy a stock that was a horrific stock, even though it was paying you a good dividend. You only want to buy good quality growing stocks. KT, have you been thinking about this? Yeah. What would you do? Would you reinvest? Now think about it carefully. The market's going down. She could get that dividend and she could reinvest it in 
a money market account or the Alliant Credit Union at 2.95% or whatever it may be. So she could be earning interest on it and it could be safe. Or should she be reinvesting that dividend where it's possible that the market could continue down? Because we've seen that happen now with some of the energy stocks, right? And the market could go down. So the dividend has gone down in value too. What should she do? Reinvest it or in markets like this, take it and invest it somewhere else? (laughs) I think that she is unstoppable. (laughs) Look at her last line. Yeah. I think she should take that dividend and invest it in more stocks. So she should do a dividend reinvestment program. What's that called? Dividend reinvestment program. You don't remember this. It's a drip. Yeah, drips. <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm unstoppable. Yes, I know. I'm don't gonna, sing da, for da, people now. So the truth yeah, is. Yeah, I would do it. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. ding. So listen, everybody. As you're reinvesting the dividend, the dividend itself is making whatever percentage right now that company is paying you. Plus, it is buying you more shares. As the company goes down, the more shares you're able to buy of that company. And then in the long run, when it turns around, you are going to be really, really happy. So that's what you should be doing. All right, KT, that's it. It's really called a drip, huh? Yeah. The dividend reinvestment (laughs) program. Drip. Dividend D. Reinvestment R. Right. Investment. I. P. Program. Program. Drips. Drips. All right. What do we want to tell everybody, KT? <laughs> Let's. T- <laughs> I get a kick out of that drip thing. We want to tell everyone that wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you say, you will create a more peaceful, joyful, and loving world. Every drip. <laughs> drip by drip. <laughs> All right. And and if you do it drip by drip, drip by drip, baby. you will be unstoppable. I'm unstoppable. I'm a buzzer with no brakes. I'm invincible. See, I win every single game. Mine's so powerful. I don't need batteries to play. I'm so confident. I'm unstoppable today Unstoppable today Unstoppable today Unstoppable today I'm unstoppable today Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman is acting as a certified financial planner, advisor, a certified financial analyst, an economist, CPA, accountant, or lawyer. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman make any recommendations as to any specific securities or investments. All content contained in this podcast is for informational and general purposes only and does not constitute financial accounting or legal advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and financial advisors regarding your particular situation. Neither Susie Orman Media nor Susie Orman accepts any responsibility for any losses which may arise from accessing or reliance on information in this podcast. And to the fullest extent permitted by law, we exclude all liability for loss, damages, direct or indirect, arising from the use of this information. 
The must-have documents discussed in this podcast are legal documents created by a lawyer and distributed by Hay House.